Train Redmain Select from the U.S. National Development Program and our mission, Dylan Larkin. Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio. I am your host, Kyle, and uh, we have on the horn with us today, the normals. We have uh, JJ, Graham, and Joe. Fellas, thank you for staying up this late with us tonight. Uh, tonight, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, guys, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Best day ever. It is. It is literally one of the best days ever. Uh, don't if you, you say that every fan. podcast? Well, no, 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 no. We don't say that every podcast. Tonight is different. Um, tonight we celebrate, yeah, no, tonight we are celebrating, we are celebrating a new era, uh, which we will get to later on, um, but, uh, let's just go over this first, (laughs) JJ already said it, but Graham, Joe, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty spectacularly. Graham, you? I'm doing pretty good. All right, I love to hear it. So, uh, tonight is a very special, uh, episode of WIM Radio. Um, we're going to cover some very exciting topics, uh, which we will cover later on. So uh, if you are tired, uh, you better just stay awake because we, <laughs> we got some good stuff tonight. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's just been a really exciting off-season for the Red Wings. Uh, from day one, it's just been, I don't know how to really explain it, but just the best. Um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, the first topic we're going to talk about is goaltending. Uh, like a real general manager, we're going to try and build from the goaltender out. So we have Jimmy Howard and Peter Mrazek. Um, obviously, I think, in my opinion, the Red Wings have possibly one of the best tandems in the entire NHL uh, with, uh, with, with the duo that we have. Now that Jonas Gustafsson has moved on and signed with the Boston Bruins, which is so awesome for him, but so awesome for the Red Wings. Um, is there any way we need to go about uh, Blashill, how he announced the way the starter is going to go for the, the first night coming Friday? Uh, I appreciate that he said that uh, he's made up his mind already, but he's not telling us because he hasn't told us goaltenders. Right. So, I remember I mean, Jimmy taking a shot at Babcock earlier this summer. Exactly. Basically said that he, exactly. Had, he sometimes didn't know, and he had to get told via the press about things. So. Exactly. So here's the thing, like, so all off season, the question was who is going to be the number one? Who is going to be the guy who we, leads the Red Wings in in terms of going into the into the uh, regular season? Um, you know, obviously it's between two goaltenders. One who has been, while most people won't say that great at the NHL level, Jimmy Howard. Uh, you know, Red Wings fans would say that uh, you know the guy has been pretty good. You know, in in terms of stats, uh, it maybe it just hasn't been the team in front of him who have who has really done much for him. Um, I mean, it the diggers have pretty much reported that he is the starting goaltender. Uh, so, how do we feel about that? Do we feel like Jimmy Howard should be the starting goaltender? Because obviously, uh, going back to the playoffs when we had. The uh, first round where we went to seven games with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the best team in the Atlantic Division. And, you know, he had a pretty impressive outing, you know, as, you know, as young as he is. Should we feel like that is a, 
and obviously we are going with the diggers on this because, you know, Bench Boss hasn't really told us who the starter is. Should we feel encouraged that way? Fellas, I'm going to let you talk on that. I mean, Jimmy Howard has had a pretty good preseason, and Blaschel's comment was more about he hasn't announced he was going to start Friday night, but I don't think he really has any intention of anointing a guy. He's our go-to guy. So it's obviously a great problem to have that you have two potentially potential number one goaltenders, and you can go to them at any time. I don't know. The... Jimmy Jimmy Howard and Peter Mrazek seem to have a pretty good working relationship with each other, so it's not like the pitfall right, right, of right. the pitfall of one guy feels like he's got he's earned the starter's job and he hates being relegated to the backup role or playing only forty games or whatever. It doesn't sound like that that kind of problem is gonna is something that would affect the Red Wings for this season. I'm totally with you on that, Joe. Um, the thing is, like, and I've said it from the beginning, um, the Red Wings possibly, in my opinion, have one of the best situations in goaltender. One of the things that most NHL teams, like that's the hill they die on, is you have to have a, a, a good goaltender. Uh, you see so many teams who try and figure that situation out going through the season. Um, you know, I, I, personally, I think after the preseason, um, Jimmy Howard has earned his starting job back. Uh, he went undefeated. Uh, in, in, in preseason, um, he did a great job. Uh, his stats were great. Obviously, it's just preseason. You're going up against prospects or whatever. But, um, y- you know, it, when you look at his past, he's had a great, a, a, you know, a great stat line. Um, I, I just think you, in this situation, the tie has to go to the veteran. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. That's honestly probably the one position that you need to go with at this point. Uh, Peter Mrazek, obviously a great goaltender, um, but he's so young. This is his first season in the NHL, you know, through 82 games. Uh, I, I, I think that this is probably the best situation that the Red Wings have ever looked at uh, in terms of uh, net minding. Uh, Graham, JJ, what do you have to say about it? You know, I, I, I think it matters. I, I think the first game is really the symbolic he's our starter type but I mean the Wings play 11 games in October but they have four back-to-backs so if Blashill is smart and kind of pays attention to these sorts of things he's whoever the the backup is or whoever isn't the starter is still going to get four games in the first month of the season right because you shouldn't be playing your goaltenders back-to-backs no no absolutely not if you're thinking about about a 60-40 split, which is what I think it should be once the season's over and you just kind of go with the hot guy, this this month both guys are actually going to get an opportunity to play. So maybe after October we'll have a little bit better idea of you know, who's starting to kind of t- take over the job. Maybe they'll push each other and it'll be – I mean it's not a bad problem to have, to have two guys that uh, you know are in a friendly competition to try and get playing time. But I think from, from everything I've seen and, and read so far – I think Howard has probably earned at least opening night to get the opening night start. And then you give Mrazek the, the second game and then you go from there and just kind of see who's playing better. And you, you put that guy in net. I completely agree with you in there, Graham. Um, yeah, here's, I mean, here's my yeah. thing. Yeah, go for it. Um, JJ. Building off what Graham said that we've got 11 games and eight of those 11 games are, are stacked as back to back. So obviously both guys are going to, going to get plenty of time. Um, I do think that Jimmy Howard has outplayed Mrazek, 
but as a fan um, and as a blogger who reads all of the comments and all of Twitter and can't stop reading uh, other places, uh, I want Mrazek to get the start on opening night just because there is way less at stake for my sanity as far as what happens. Because even though Jimmy right. Howard has been dominant in the preseason, every time a puck comes off that guy's pads, it's like fucking Jimmy Howard's rebound control. And I just don't want to deal with that. Literally, the game one starter is meaningful in that stupid, like, oh, this is, oh, he, he started the very beginning of the season. Um, totally meaningless as far as the October schedule goes. Give it to Mrazek. If he goes out and has a stinker, then nobody cares. If Basically, the only way that I can be happy is Jimmy Howard wins game one against the Maple Leafs with a shutout, um, which it's totally possible. But just playing the odds, just play Mrazek. They're, they're basically the same goalie. Well, here's the thing. is like I agree with you, JJ, that um, in, in terms of at times, even in the preseason – uh, Howard's rebounds have been like, ugh, like totally WTF. Like that's that's a problematic. Like his rebounds are still what what they have been, um, and that's pretty much the hill that I think Howard will die on, uh, live or die on. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, crap talk him at all. But um, I feel like Howard is the man. He has the experience. You at least give him the first start. Uh, and like I said before, he is the man that you say Ty goes to the veteran. Um, you give him the first start, and that's all you have to do. So you basically give him the first start. Uh, if he lays an egg, and you know, let's say hypothetically we lose to the Leafs, whatever score it is, um, you basically uh, how the um, the way we the the diggers have worded it is that the next night, which I believe is against you know the Hurricanes. Um, uh, you basically go with the next goalie. So, you know, that's going to be to Mrazek. So let's say hypothetically that you have two goalies, and this is the worst case possible scenario. Let's say you have Howard comes out, doesn't do so well, but the next night against the Hurricanes, who are a team who, you know, you have a favorable start. You have the Leafs in a rebuild, the Canes who are still in a rebuild, um, what happens if you lose back to back? What do you do for the third game? What happens then? So you just switch out. So you just uh, you ba- you basically go you you go back to your you, you basically are going to go back to your your original starting. So you're going to go back to Howard and then you go back to Morazic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you start Morazic on Friday at home, and then you start Jimmy Howard on the road on Saturday. Then you start Morazic at home against Tampa, and then at home against Carolina, and then you start Jimmy Howard on the road in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's the West Coast trip, so Jimmy Howard's next game is Saturday in Vancouver. And then Morazic is Tuesday in Carolina, or Tuesday at home against Carolina, Friday at home against Ottawa, then Jimmy Howard on the road against Ottawa. Uh, you give Jimmy Howard all four road starts, or hell, even give him one of the, the starts out in the middle of the week. Uh, let them start in Edmonton. Who cares? And then, like, it's all road games. So 
Yeah, the, 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 my entire decision here isn't based on who I think is the better goalie because I think that Howard has outplayed Mrazek. Um, I still do think Mrazek has better puck control, which I think makes a difference for the Red Wings. So Absolutely, yep. It's, it's basically flip a coin for me as far as who's going to play. Uh, Jimmy Howard in net um, creates more fan annoyance for me, and I know that's terribly elitist for me to say, but I don't care. Like, listening to people constantly shit on Jimmy Howard uh, annoys me, and so I want Morazic to get more games solely for that reason. I completely agree with you. I'm totally over the whole shitting on Howard thing. Um, it, 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 it's like we've dealt with it for so long. But the thing is, is that Howard has never had, um, he's never had a real backup. Like, you know, he's had Gustafson, and we all know the story with Gustafson. The guy makes saves off of fairy dust. He's not a great goalie. He's a borderline backup goalie. He got signed in Boston, which is, you know what, good for him. Uh, I don't think that any other team would sign him as a backup, personally. Um, but uh, he now has a guy in Mrazek who will push him for a starting position. Like, Mrazek, if Howard comes out there and doesn't play well in the regular season... Like, I don't have any worry. I think that Mrazek will take that spot, and I, I, I feel confident. Um, it's not like with a, I don't know, who has there been in the past? Joy, Joy McDonald? Like, Ty who Conklin. Is the, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ty Conklin. Um, basically, guys who are not in the NHL at this point. Uh, Joe and Graham, what do you guys feel? I mean, I don't, maybe I'm just immune to everything, but I, I don't know. I don't really get terribly annoyed with I, I guess I do think uh, criticism of Howard has been overdone for the last little while but I don't know I'm, I guess I'm just pretty indifferent to it he's always had rebound control problems it's likely not going to change that much he may be able to bail himself out on more occasions if it's true that he's lighter more agile on his feet as has been reported uh, but yeah, it's it's not something. It's not a heavy consideration for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Howard's a good goalie. I don't think he's a great goalie. I I like the guy. I think he's good for the Wings right now. But I don't think he's. I've come around to the idea that I don't think the Red Wings can necessarily win a cup with Jimmy Howard. And that's not a knock on Howard. I think that the team in front needs to be better too. But um, I get the sense from Morazic that he's the type of guy that you can win a championship with. But at the same time, I mean, if it weren't for Jimmy Howard last year, the Wings never would have sniffed the playoffs because he was their MVP in the first half when they couldn't score for shit. So um, I think it's like any it's like those positions, like a, a quarterback or a pitcher or something like that. I think he gets he gets too much blame when he loses, and I. The, for, but for Howard, I don't think he gets enough praise when he's actually playing well. Yeah, I agree. So basically, you're going with the same stance that I have for, I don't know, a year or two now, is that goalies are much like pitchers in baseball. Um, you can't blame every loss on them. Uh, just because they lose one game doesn't mean they're bad. Um, but it's it, it really is tough to say because... Howard, his stats tell us that he is a more than serviceable starter. Um, but I, I honestly think that Howard has been given kind of the shit end of the stick. Uh, pardon my language, but you know he hasn't truly had 
a, a good defensive corps in front of him. Uh, you know, he's seen Cronwall, uh, obviously, in his decline, uh, paired with Erickson, who is, let's, let's not joke, he's not a top-pairing defenseman. You know, we, we've seen that. So we've seen him perform pretty well at times, uh, more often than not, with, with, with what he's been given, um, even under uh, Babcock's regime. Um, so I think that the consensus is for, for most Red Wings fans that, uh, we have never been more confident in the goalies going into this season, uh, than we have in, in, in past seasons. And it's not because of coaching. It's literally because of the, uh, the, the players we have. Um, and I think that that's something that we can all agree on. Am, am, am I wrong? Yeah. And I think as a final thought on the, the concept is, one of the things that really drove the anti-Howard uh, Fuhrer last season was he would stand on his head for 65 minutes and then blow it in the shootout. Uh, we don't have to worry about that as much this season, so let's go nope, for it. Nope, because I agree. No, no goalies totally. aren't. Gonna, no yep. goalie's going to make a save in three, and three all year. Yeah, <laughs> you are. You are more than correct. Um, so, to just to wrap that up, we are confident in our goalies. Uh, one shits the bed we have another starter ready to go so uh moving on uh this one you know we've pretty much uh going by the updates that we've been given uh have been solidified but we have the uh, nhl season starting on friday um blashell basically said that in the preseason uh they would feature rosters that would be as close as possible to the nhl rosters that we would get do we do we expect any change in what we will see on Friday from what we saw uh, the the past two games against the Maple Leafs? Do we expect anything to change? Personally, I don't think we will. Everything's been pretty much solidified. Obviously, uh, we've had some surprises. We've had some not surprises. You know, do we do we expect anything to change? Uh, we didn't see Quincy and Green paired for the entire preseason, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be together on Game One. Right. Um, which is, I mean, essentially, I don't know if I, the thing is, is that I don't know if green is much better at playing on the blue line than DeKaiser is. I don't know that yet because I'm a big DeKaiser fan. Um, you know, we saw DeKaiser and Quincy paired for most of the season last year. And for the most part, it was actually really, really good. We saw a good performance out of Quincy. I don't know how much of that was because of DeKaiser, but obviously DeKaiser is hurt now. Um, and, you know, we have the new guy, Mike Green, who is the uh, highly um, heralded right-shooting defenseman that we've been waiting for. Um, now that we have a solid uh, lefty-righty pairing in the second pair, uh, do we expect any any changes out of that at all? Don't Don't, you know... Obviously, don't jump on the subject, you guys. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Again. <laughs> don't jump on it. JJ, go. Okay, I'll go. Um, I mean, I expect that Green is going to move the puck out of the zone better than DeKaiser can. Um, I think that Green is also going to make more mistakes in the zone than DeKaiser does, even though DeKaiser isn't perfect. Um, so I honestly don't expect the green, uh, Quincy pairing to be that different than what 
Quincy DeKaiser was uh, for much of last season and that I expected to be a good pair. Uh, Cronwall and Erickson, uh, they are what they are. Uh, I I will say I was more impressed. Erickson did look like he was moving better in preseason than he was in previous years. Uh, Hopefully that's a good thing. But, I mean, I still saw mistakes coming from Erickson and from Cronwall and Cronwell still has that lost step that he is probably never going to find again. So that's uh, that's going to be up to the forwards to help them out. Um, third pair, I don't know if Kendall is going to be ready for the start of the season because he's got that eye infection. If it's Kendall Smith on the third pair, then great. You two guys can just enjoy your company and make the most of your new situation. If it's Smith and Ouellette, then then great. I mean, Ouellette made a lot of mistakes in preseason too, so honestly, I'm I'm kind of not sure why Jensen got into six preseason games and it was one of the first defensemen sent down, really. Um, it is what it is, though. I mean, I, I, I don't know that a, a Jensen-Brendan Smith pair would have made me uh, not shoot my pants, but... <laughs> I mean, it is what it, I'm looking forward to seeing what the defense does because I we have seen eight preseason games worth of Jeff Blashill's system utilizing the defense. We've seen good from the defense. We've seen bad from the defense. I think it has been more promising than it was last year, but my memories of last year's defense are more recent than they are of, like, from October, November, December when they were playing very well uh, to, like, the March swoon when everything sucked. So, I mean, I, at this point, I'm, I'm just living with the fact that Cronwall and Erickson are probably going to be our top pair again. I think our second pair with Quincy and Green is going to be good, and I'm looking forward to DeKaiser's return uh, so we can shift things around. And the third pair, uh, hell, that's an adventure. Let's just close our eyes and see what happens. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and as much as I hate it, like, I, I think that Cronwall in a second pair... Like, like if he was played on the second pair with a guy like Green, we would we would be a lot more excited about the defense right now. Um, obviously, I don't know where you put Erickson. I, I think you put him on the third pair, but that's just not that's not the case, and it won't be the case. Um, so um, until Blash, uh, until maybe Blashill like steps in and sees, wow, these guys are not that good. Um, you know. I, I, it goes back to what we're saying. Like, do we feel confident in this? Like, do we like do we go into this year feeling more confident about our defense than we did last year? Uh, Graham and Joe, what do you have to say about it? I don't really think I'm that much more confident in the defense. Uh, I'm pretty confident in our goaltenders being able to bail out our defense. Uh, I remember writing for the big SB Nation NHL preview in, in our three questions post that you know. What is the defense going to look like from opening night to the playoffs? And I think we're pretty set for a lot of our roster spots in Cronwall, Erickson, uh, DeKaiser, and Green. And I completely forgot about Kyle Quincy when I was writing that. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. But it's pretty much going to be a third pair adventure. And then, you know, we'll probably... We'll probably either live or live and or die based on whatever the top two pairings do, because I'm not really sure that Ken Holland can and or will swing a trade for an impact defenseman that will help shift players into roles that better suit them. Uh, for the short term, I think I do think that. 
putting Kyle Quincy on the pair with Mike Green is sort of a like net neutral move because you know it was to, when it's to Kaiser Green they can both read off of each other and they're both high 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 hockey IQ players when it's Quincy Green I feel like their roles are more established so you would expect Green to be the puck mover. You'd expect Green to roam around a bit more, and you'd expect Quincy to hang back a little bit and cover for in case there's a bad decision. So I don't really. I think it's a. I think it's pretty much a net neutral. And Cronwall Erickson are what they are. Yeah, I, I kind of. I, I agree with you guys. The one thing is, um, I think as Joe alluded to, you, you've got the goaltending that you can hold can kind of bail them out. I also think that the Red Wings are so deep at forward that um, at least for the early part of the season, while they're trying to kind of work out some of the issues, uh, maybe, you know, figure out pairings, wait for DeKaiser to come back. Um, what I'm hoping is they'll be able to kind of outscore any deficiencies that might exist back there. You know, so we might be in for, I mean, assuming that the offense clicks the way it's supposed to early on, we might see a lot of kind of five, four, four, three, like those types of games, which, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, the one Dallas thing is stars hockey. Yeah, I mean, as long as that's only just kind of for a little bit, um, I, I think I could kind of deal with it. If it turns into a season-long thing, then it's probably going to erode some of my confidence. But the one thing from the preseason, I don't know how much you can read into it, but I mean, they were outshot a lot. Even when they played their 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 better players, uh, they were still getting outshot. Some of that was due to score effects and getting leads. Um some of that was due to just you know basically icing an AHL roster against other teams' NHL rosters, but um, it'll be something I'll be keeping an eye on as the season starts. Is how are they doing in terms of shot generation and shot suppression? Are they actually kind of um, you know kind of either breaking even or being positive in that regard, or are they getting outshot a lot? Because that's that's going to make me feel even more worried about the defense because I don't think that holds up over the course of an entire season if they keep getting outshot. Yeah. Right. And I think and yeah. I think score effects also isn't necessarily a thing that should be discounted because I don't I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think we really blew anybody out in any of the preseason games. So, you expect what? that in the third periods or when we come out uh, jump out to huge leads you're gonna start not necessarily like taking your foot off the gas but if the other teams are, the other your opponents are gonna start taking more risks to generate opportunities to try to come back yeah that's not the most encouraging sign if you're constantly getting if you're constantly feeling the effects of score effects and giving up more opportunities and risking the leads that you've built up uh, I know that one of the analytics darling teams from recency from like within the past decade is the 2008 Red Wings Cup champion team which I remember uh, seeing a tweet a while back about how when the that particular team had a two goal lead they still had something like a 56% Corsi 4 percentage and it was like you know score effects didn't exist for that team they were just so good they were just so dominant obviously this team is not that team but it's not something that you can necessarily excuse especially because they can't they especially because they is as Graham said pointed out they if they're going to keep getting out shot like this they're it's going to catch up to them eventually well i mean there was we outscored Pittsburgh by a shitload. I mean, six to one and seven to two. We blew them out. Yeah, right. We, we forgot um, about that. Not even close. The three to one win in Boston, we got out shot, or against Boston, 
we got outshot, and that was a score effects derby because we scored like two goals pretty quickly, and once you're outside of two goals, that's when score effects turn on. So uh, there was a lot of a lot of score effects in play, but it wasn't like you said. I I don't think that it was um, it was that scary because the other part of the way the Red Wings played in the preseason is I think their PDO was something like one ten. Um, I think their their total team save percentage was nine thirty six. And they shot almost 17% in the preseason. So that's good shooting, and that's real good goaltending. And the combined two of those things, they're going, those things tend to regress. So, yeah, they, shots are, are key. If, if you, I mean, if, you, if you're going to shoot like that and save like that every game, then, yeah, you can get away with, um, with getting outshot all the time. And, and score effects are going to dictate that you're going to get outshot a hell of a lot because of that. But, yeah, I, there is cause for concern that the Red Wings should not be counting on that. And uh, trying to outscore your mistakes is, I mean, it's a gamble. But then again, so is the very low event style. Because um, that is, you've got to rely on, even if you're playing the odds, the low event style is you're not getting yourself to meet. You're, you're leaving a lot more up to luck than you, than you maybe should be. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I think the Red Wings are good enough. And I think they, there is enough natural shooting talent um, that could end up because obviously you don't have to have a, a, a PDO of 100. You don't have to be an average team. It just tends to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that they that they can get away with trying to outscore mistakes and I think that uh, by and large they're going to have to, but it's, yeah, it's absolutely cause for concern. Yeah, the thing was, is the last couple of years is the Wings... They've, they've been a, a, an okay team, but they, they haven't been good enough to overcome the mental mistakes that they've made defensively. And this year, it actually seems like they, they maybe have a little bit bigger of, of a margin of error where, I mean, they're still going to make mistakes because they're still, I mean, Green, Quincy, I mean, that's, that's high risk, high reward for me uh, because you've got Green who I think is a better d- defensive defenseman than people give him credit for. I mean, he's not some sort of absolute tire fire on his own end, but I mean, his strengths are definitely more offensive. The, I think the key to that is what kind of Quincy do you get? Cause if you get the Quincy that paired up with DeKaiser last year, I'm very, I'm much more confident in that pairing probably than I am Cronwell Erickson, unless Erickson can somehow flip, flip a switch and get back to the way he's played. So, um, but with, with the offensive talent that they have up front, they can overcome some of that. And when you factor in, assuming Jimmy Howard plays at the level that he's shown he can play consistently or Mrazek just plays the way he did playoffs, I, I become a little less worried that every single mental mistake the Wings make is going to end up in the back of their own net. Right. So this is all just assuming. So, And this really just pours into our next topic and is how big of a like a loss is Danny DeKaiser. I mean, think about it. Think about what he did for the Red Wings last year. Um, he was, I mean, in, in hindsight, the way he performed, um, given the assignments he was given and all that good stuff, the, the guy is a borderline top-pairing defenseman. Uh, he is going into a year where he is, you know, he's a, he is playing for a contract. Again, am I not? I mean, how do we feel about that? Um, you know, obviously it's not a huge loss because it's only a couple of weeks. Uh, it, it, how do we feel about losing to Kaiser? 
like uh, right out of the bat. Is that is that a huge loss? I think it's a huge loss because I feel like the Kaiser and Green going into the into the season that's huge as a second pairing. That's massive because you have two defensemen who can play. One can play at all situations. The other who can uh, be a mainstay. Well, well, I should say both can be a mainstay in the power play. Um, Is that going to hurt the Red Wings in the long run? Uh, You know, lines are open for you guys on that one. I don't know necessarily long run. I mean, you know, with the Kaiser in, in the lineup, Cronwell Erickson's your top pair. That's just, it is what it is. But DeKaiser Green gives you a, a, a good, very good second pairing that, um, you know, I, I don't even know that I would look at it as a top pairing, second pairing. I'd almost look at it as 1A, 1B. Um, but what it allows you to do is shift Quincy down to the third pair, and you can pair him up, I would think, almost with anybody. I know people would freak out if they put him with Smith. Quite honestly, <laughs> if you get the Kyle Quincy from last year, Quincy Smith doesn't scare me as much. Um, and again, it's the third pair. So you can actually solidify it. I, I, you don't have that one dominant pairing, but you don't have that with DeKaiser in the lineup. In or out, it doesn't matter. Um, but what it does is it gives you three solid pairings, um, whereas with DeKaiser out, you got to move Quincy up. The third pairing becomes a little bit dicier um, just because of the inconsistency of the guys that are probably going to be on it, whether it's Smith, Ouellette, if Kindle myster- uh, miraculously recovers from this eye infection in time to play in the opener. Um, Lauren, I don't, it's not a huge concern for me, though, because I think he'll be back. What about you guys? Uh, Joe, JJ, what do you guys think? I just I think, think, go ahead. Uh, I think that uh, the Kaiser and Green. Like we were talking, we've been talking about them being the second pair, second pair, second. I honestly think that had they um, been allowed to start together, and it's it's going to be delayed. So I just think that that all this stuff just gets pushed back a few weeks. Um, but we can call them the second pair. But I think that as the season went on, uh, other teams uh, simply weren't going to let Jeff Blashill get away with having that be the second pair. I think that they were going to become the first pair by default anyway. Um, that they were just going to start getting used against the better players. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it delays it. And like Graham said, it, it pushes Quincy up to a pair that we have seen that he can play on. I mean, he did it well last year. It just It's extra pressure uh, on all three pairs for losing De Kaiser, who very well may be our best all-around defenseman uh, this season. Um, and it's, it's it, yeah, it's, it's a potentially huge loss. I'm, I'm not going to say it should not make or break our season. If, if it makes or breaks things, then we have a lot more problems at defense than we ever thought we did. And that's, that's just something that we're going to learn. But um, in the meantime, it's going to be an opportunity for uh, Ouellette and for Smith and for Kindle to really show that they belong in the lineup consistently and that, you know, just do it, put up or shut up now. Yeah. Uh, I remember for a large part of the summer, when we were talking about the defense that, we floated around the idea that DeKaiser Green could be the t- is probably going to be the top pairing as opposed to Cronwall Erickson because we talked about Erickson's health issues and that hip injury that limited his mobility. It sounds like it's it sounds like it's dissipated just a little bit, but Erickson is still Erickson, the hockey player, even if he's still even if he's physically more fit. And we and we talked all about Cronwall's decline. Uh, I think the bigger shame in all of this is the lost missed opportunity uh, that Kyle alluded to 
when you have a guy like you have a guy like Danny DeKaiser. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me right now, but he was. I honestly didn't realize he produced this much, but he produced a pretty good number of points for the for his usage. And we we thought that giving him a guy a partner like Mike Green gives him the capability to unlock whatever offense he has let whatever offensive ceiling he still has yet to reach is this is a guy that who can this is a guy who can still grow even more uh produce more play against tougher competition like in the long run it might just be a scenario where it's delayed as opposed to completely lost but you know something that you can't see something that you yeah, justice delayed is justice denied. How do you, you you can't? How do you wait for something like this, especially when these games are start gonna, are going to start counting on Friday? Yeah, I agree. Um, personally, I think that um, it, it, it's tough to say, but we can't really uh, um, judge until we've seen what we have. Um, Quincy did a really good job last year uh, in in the role that he played. Um, you know he's going into a an expiring year where he doesn't have a contract uh, next season. Uh, I you know obviously he is not going to be a guy that will be with the Red Wings in a fan's perspective, um, or he shouldn't be. Um, I, I'm a little concerned with Quincy and Green, but at the same time, it's uh, it's it's only temporary. Once the Kaiser returns, you have a completely different look. Um, and then Quincy, obviously, uh, he's going to be a a bottom pairing guy, and that's confirmed. He will not be he will not beat DeKaiser. He will not beat Erickson, even though that I mean I might. And this sounds crazy. I might rather have Quincy rather than Erickson in the top pair. Um, whatever, but uh, it's not a mainstay unless Quincy comes out and performs uh, dominantly. Uh, and even then, if he comes out and he performs dominantly, it's still like you, you can't beat out DeKaiser and what he's done for the Red Wings. Um, and if you guys feel that way, like, would you rather have Quincy over Erickson? Uh, what do you guys think? In that Quincy only has one year left on his deal, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. So you guys would feel more confident in a Cronwall and Quincy pairing in the top pair than you would with Cronwall and Erickson. I'm not sure I would say that I'm more confident. I'm just at the point where we know what Cronwall Erickson is, and a year later, can we really expect it to be any better if it gets better at all? So why not? Because what what the outlying numbers have told us is that Erickson is basically... And he's basically a boat anchor for Cronwall. And Cronwall is a declining defenseman... um, I think that Cronwall in a lesser role would be absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're not going to get what we wish for in this situation because it seems like Cronwall has been very uh, vocal with, he wants to play with Erickson, um, and that's cool. You know, he's the veteran, and that's that's fine. But, I mean, when the Kaiser is healthy, do you guys feel like, the Kaiser and Green would be a more suitable top pair than uh, Cronwall and Erickson. It's a, yeah. it's a gamble I'm very willing to take. I said I, I think that uh, it's going that's going to happen regardless of whether or not Blashill wants it to. I think that other teams are going right, to force right, it to happen. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it's something that I'd probably be more comfortable with is 
a uh, the Kaiser in green pairing. And I think obviously, like even if it isn't this year, uh, if you feel if you think about Green's uh, contract three years from now when he's in his expiring year, uh, I feel like you're going to see Green and a Kaiser or someone else uh, in, in the top pair. I, I, I just I just think that's going to happen because after this year, the Red Wings aren't going to let the Kaiser get away from them. Uh, and I think he is the long-term top-pairing defenseman. Uh, you know, obviously, he's uh, he has, you know, he only has a few years of uh, experience under his belt, but I feel like judging him by when he was signed to now, he has, you know, whether or not he looks like a giraffe, uh, <laughs> um, he is the guy that I think the Red Wings would look for on the top pair, uh, you know, because obviously... Uh, Erickson isn't that young, and neither is it Cronwell, obviously. So um, I don't think that's something that's going to stay. I, I, I just, like, I, I, judging by age and judging by the way that they're declining, I just don't think it's going to happen. Do you disagree with me? No, I, I, DeKaiser's, I mean, he's he's the anchor at this point of the defense. Um, In a good way. Yeah, yeah. When I say anchor, I mean he'll hold it all together, not bring them down. That's Erickson's job. Um I think honestly, three years from now, you're going to see um, you're going to see Cronwall in a significantly reduced role, only because of his contract. You're going to see uh, DeKaiser. You're going to see Erickson just because that albatross of a contract isn't going anywhere. And then you're going to see all new guys. And and I, I think what what is probably going to happen is you're going to have DeKaiser and whoever as a top pair, whoever and whoever as a second pair, Cronwall Erickson as a third pair. That's and that's what it should be probably with yeah two to three years would be what i would say for that cool three more years of cronwall erickson top pair cronwall erickson don't yeah that would be really yeah. really really bad don't worry hicketts sorry rv uh 2018 is gonna be beautiful i think honestly i think that and this is just jumping way ahead of expectations but sorry rv i think like the way he's performing this year which you will hear in the prospects report that guy's he's small but he's he's i don't know he's a little spark plug and he might be small and the same with hicketts they're just little spark plugs but i don't know they they do it they move the puck and i like that i like it a lot hey let's talk about forwards well hold on let's uh let's let's jerk the chains there we have another topic to cover um so brendan smith and Jakob kindle the two guys who uh <laughs> Seem to not go away. And we say that, but, you know, uh, Brendan Smith, he's a little bit younger. And uh, the same with Jakob Kendall. Uh, well, not really, but Jakob Kendall's kind of entering, he's entering his years where it's like, okay, you're getting old, dude. It's probably time to either move on or it's either time to put up or shut up. Um, basically, Brendan, Brendan Smith and Jakob Kendall, they made good use of their fresh starts in the preseason. Uh, I, I I saw some good things from them in the preseason, and you know, given it was preseason, whatever, blah blah blah. But do we do we do we take any stock in that? Like Jakob Kindle, he looked he looked potent. I think he looked good. Like you know, um, and, and given it was a a more you know uh, sheltered use, like it, like it has been in years. But I feel like under a new system with Blashill, while it's not too different. I feel like uh, Blashill will activate his defenseman a little bit differently than than Babcock did. Do we feel like that's something that Brendan Smith and and and, and Jakob Kindle could 
uh, flourish under, or are we just uh, are we just you know blowing the wind into the sails, basically? Um, I mean, Kindle. The, the the overarching theme of this team right now is the fresh start narrative, right? Um, and Kindle is probably one of the biggest ones because he was a guy who, even when he actually contributed, didn't get much ice time, certainly last year. And I mean, he struggled with consistency issues. But, um, Blashill has said all the right things about him. Kindle has said all the right things about, you know, kind of wanting to start over, um, you know, show the new coach what he can do, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I, it's kind of like the goaltending, right? I mean, if you have players competing for roster spots because they're performing well, that's that's not a bad thing. Um, I mean, if it if it comes down to Smith and Kindle and they push each other and actually make each other play up to the potential that we would expect from the two of them, based off of you know uh, what they've what their skill set is and what we think they can be. I mean, that's win-win. I, to me, I don't have a preference in that race. It doesn't matter who actually plays, just as long as the guy that's on the ice playing doesn't suck. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. Uh, in terms of earning his chances, Earning his chances. Uh, you know, the, o- the only chance that these guys who have needed this fresh start that the only chances that they've had so far has basically been the preseason. So, you know, if Kindle, you can say that all oh, Kindle's been potent. Kindle's been great. Consider considering all that, considering his recent past, but it's preseason. Well, you can't really penalize the guy if this is his only opportunity to make an impression. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he currently has whatever, what is it? An eye infection? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that, you know, it might be another situation where he may have earned his opportunity, but it'll be delayed, and who knows what could happen in the meantime that might diminish his chances to get another opportunity. But I'm um, basically with what Graham said that it's not so much who it is, but if these guys are all trying to push each other for not trying to push each other, but if these guys are competing against each other for that for those roster spots and it drives their quality of play to be higher, then that's a win for the Red Wings. Right. And uh JJ, do you have anything to add to that? Nah. No, not at all. Well he <laughs> um, wanted to talk about forwards, so no, yeah, JJ wants to talk about forwards. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, do you guys like third pairing? Since Kindle is out, so do you guys? Since uh, um, what Kindle is out, uh, Marchenko is hurt. Do you guys feel like Ulet could have maybe uh, a strong showing? Do you think he could maybe push for it? He's, he's going to get an opportunity to do it. So I mean, it's really it's really up to him at this point. He could, um, but you know, the question is, will he take it, and run with it? Right. So I, I feel like Ouellette could probably do it. Um, what I've seen from Ouellette is that maybe he's not, at the NHL level, he's not as offensive as he has been uh, at, at, at past levels. But um, I feel like Ouellette could, personally, I feel like Ouellette might be a better choice than Marchenko. Um, and that's just me. I think Ouellette is better skating. Uh, he can move the puck better. That's just me. Um, but Marchenko's but, a right shot. Ah, uh, yeah, the right shot, bro. Uh, the Red Wings need it. Okay, whatever. Let's stop talking about defense because we all know it's going to suck. So let's uh, let's move on. Um, have any of the kids stake a claim to spots on the blue line? I mean, I, I mean that's pretty much what we've already gone over. But you know, we talked about the Marchenkos. He's hurt. We talked about Ulet a little bit. Um, who are the others? Uh, you know, you've got 
I mean, basically the only other is Nick Jensen. So we're going to center it around him. Do we feel like Nick Jensen should probably have a shot over Xavier Roulette? And we'll make this a quick topic. Quick topic. Let's go ahead and go over that real quick. Go ahead, guys. No. Okay. Not really. Well, all right. We'll move in. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pop off the streamers real quick. Let's, uh, open a bottle of champagne. Dylan, mother effing Larkin. The Dylan man. Larkin. <laughs> the, the God. <laughs> Dylan Larkin. The first teenager to make the Red Wings roster in over 15 years for the Red Wings. He has defied all logic and all narrative for the Red Wings at this point. He has, whether it's, you know, uh, injuries or not, he is going to play on Friday against the Maple Leafs in the regular season. Fellas, I mean, this is huge. This is a big deal. Um, like I said, it, it, it might be because of injuries, but in past years, we've never seen this as fans. This is big. This is, uh, do we see this as like a, a new Red Wings? Is, do we see this as a new regime? Is this a big deal? Or did he just play so well that it's just like, ah, shit, we can't really say no to this guy? I, I think it could be a bit of both, can it? I mean, uh, we've seen young players in preseason and in training camp play really well and still get sent down because they had the ability to clear waivers. And I, I think the big key here is, too, is that the Wings are starting the season with some some a significant number of injuries or enough injuries up front that they could they can put Larkin into the lineup early um, because you're missing Datsuk and Helm, two natural centers. Um, but I, I think it's also a combination of the fact, and Blashill said it, that you know if you kind of read between the lines of what Blashill said, I don't think he really thought Larkin was going to be good enough to make the team, that they, were gonna, they would watch him and everything, but he was just not only good, but so much better than what they expected that they really had no, no, no chance but to put him on. I mean, to me, it's, it's a sign that they're going to, um, at least at the very beginning, try and put the 12 best forwards out in, into the game, which is all we've ever wanted, right? Right, I mean, right. we don't care if they're 19 or 35 or 40 or whatever. Just, you know, the best players that are in your organization, give them a shot to play. And that's what, the, to me, that's what the Larkin decision signifies. Right, and, and, and you know what? I've been high on Larkin ever since he started playing in the University of Michigan. Um, you've seen him move from level to level. Obviously, he started at University of Michigan. He killed it there. He moved to World Juniors. He killed it there. He went to World Championships. You know, he didn't, he didn't post points, um, but he, he, uh, he played a mature game. And then he went to the AHL, and he, he performed. Um, he, he made an impact. And then you saw him... Uh, I saw him in training camp, and I was just like, "This kid is the real deal." He uh, he gets it, and then you saw him in preseason, and it's just like this kid plays another level. He plays like he's been in the league for more than zero years. He's 19 years old, and he plays like he's a veteran. Um, you know, and 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 that's just what the eye test gave me. He he knows he's fast, he's crafty, um, he back checks like a like a mother effer. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, it, maybe it's just me uh, giving into prospect hype, but I feel like this kid is the real deal. Um, and I, and personally, I think that as a 19 year old, 
Um, most people think he's going to get the, the nine-game look, you know, only playing nine games as a 19-year-old rookie on his entry-level contract. But I think he's going to play his way into an 82-game season, barring an injury. Uh, and, and Honestly, what do you guys feel? What do you think about that? Well, I'm thinking back to last season, the last year. We didn't know it back then, but, you know, it would have been, it was going to be Babcock's last year. And we heard at the end of training camp that he and Ken Holland got into a bit of a kerfuffle over Xavier Ouellette. And Babcock basically played it off as like, okay, Kenny and I obviously want to win championships and we have like different, we have the same goal, but we have different views about how we're going to achieve that. Kenny's playing the long game, seeing what's best for the long term while I'm the coach and I'm, and I'm the guy that wants to win now. But Dylan Larkin is the guy that, if you put Dylan Larkin in the NHL, is the guy that helps you win now and also is the best thing for the team long term. Like, you know, maybe if he struggles a bit, he just uh, a quick little stint in the AHL to get his confidence back up will do him good. But other than that, you know, this is, there's nothing left for Larkin to do in, in any other level except the NHL. There's only developing against NHL competition, seeing what the day-to-day grind is like of a full 82-game season, uh, seeing the quality of competition he's going to face. Even if he plays a sheltered role, it's still going to be far and above, far above anything he's ever played against before. But it's still something that it, you're not going to hurt his development by putting him in the NHL right now. It helps the it helps the short term Red Wings win now. It helps the long term Red Wings get better as they develop these players for the future. I agree with you, Joe. Um, so oh, thank you, Kyle. Oh, you're so very very welcome, um, JJ. Now that we're talking about forwards, which is what you wanted, let me hear you. Okay, JJ Bueller. Is JJ Sorry. dead? Had it on mute. Uh huh. That was me I, last week. What I said was really fucking great, though. Uh, now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> well, anyways, we'll just go to Graham until you remember what you say. Graham, just give us some words about uh, about Dylan Larkin. Um, I don't know. I find myself torn between being super excited and trying to stay somewhat reserved and remember that he's 19 years old because I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and think, you know, when he doesn't have 30 points after the first 5 games go, "Oh, he's a fucking bust, send him back down where he belongs." So who is Dylan Larkin ahead of on the <laughs> uh the depth chart? Uh personally, in terms are you talking in terms of centers or all forwards? Everybody. Who is he bumping down? God damn it. All right. I think, in in my personal opinion, I think Dylan Larkin bumps down Darren Helm, Yoki Anderson, Dan Cleary, obviously, Luke Glendening. Um, <laughs> Are you wearing one of those Captain Obvious uh, yeah, yeah, and I costumes have a, yeah. right now? Yeah, Captain Obvious over here. These are the obvious ones. Um, whether, I mean, it, honestly, guys, does it matter if Darren Helm is hurt or not? Like, does it really matter? Do you guys think that Darren Helm performs in the preseason like Dylan Larkin did? Because, eh, I don't think so. Is he better than Shane? <sighs> in, in terms of preseason? Excuse no, me. No, no, just right. No, no. In, just, in terms of preseason and, and, and everything else, fuck yeah, he is. Is Dylan Larkin right now a better NHL player than Riley Shan? Honestly, if you were to ask me, and this is me going like all I'm out. asking you, so. Yeah, uh, 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 Graham? Graham. Yes. 
I think Dylan Larkin is better suited for the NHL right now than Henrik Zetterberg is. That's why he's with the team. There's your answer. Boom. He's better than Yurko. He's better than Polkin. He's better than Cheyenne. Uh, bump any of the ones you have to get out there, out of there, put them in the yeah. roster. That's where he belongs. I think that Dylan Larkin in an 82-game season would likely perform better, whether it's more points or not, than Henrik Zetterberg. And you can call me in a, 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 an ignorant piece of crap for it, but I don't know, man. He just, when he skates and when he's on the ice, you can see it. He just, he goes and he gets it. He goes. And that's that's all I need. Like it, his game translates from each level. Um, I don't expect him to be a point per game player at the NHL level at all. But I, I, I just expect him. I expect greatness uh, from him. So I think, like I said before, I think he plays his way into eighty games. Eighty. I'm sorry, eighty two games this year, barring an injury. Like I just, I don't know. I believe it uh, more than any other prospect, and it's not even. Uh, the over-evaluation like we had with Mantha where he had, you know, an injury. He came into preseason. He showed that he can play with men. Uh, he plays a veteran style, and uh, that's all that matters. I think he is our Jonathan Taves. Any objections? All right, so on Devil's Advocate, it's not going to hurt him to be with the Red Wings. Uh, would it hurt him to be with the Griffins? I don't think it would hurt him, but I don't think it would benefit him. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the AHL is for maturing your game, and he already plays mature games, so he doesn't need that. Uh, what about the concept of uh, Athanasiu as the Red Wings' point leading? Uh, he led the Red Wings in points during the preseason, uh, he dominated. He played well against an NHL level competition, he and he's two years older than Larkin. So why not give Athanasiu a shot over Larkin? So I guess my question is: Did Athanasiu step into? Did you see a a World Junior or a World Championship performance like you did with Larkin from Athanasiu? That's my question. Did you see that from from? from him like from Athanasiu as you did with Larkin did you like do you like would you take Athanasiu today over Dylan Larkin well my answer is no but the uh, the concept of the world championships thing is that Athanasiu is Canadian right and I so get if it. yeah it's hard for comparing him international play he's not going to make that team Dylan right, Larkin may absolutely. not make team Canada last but year it, 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 let's just say he did then I have to kind of pretend how he performed there and I, I don't want to do that Okay, all right, fair enough. But I, I just think that Athanasiu, while he is an electrifying offensive player with immense speed um, and some ridiculous hands, uh, I don't see the two-way game that with him that I do with Larkin. I mean, and you, some of you guys saw it. Um, Larkin, and, and the most I saw of it was how he backchecks. He just plays at 100%. He plays... Like I don't know, like a monster. I think with I think with uh, fuck, I don't know. A, I can't I can't pronounce his name, and I won't even try. He's I mean, if you're looking at his numbers off offensively, right? I mean, in junior, he was uh, he was a point per game player his last two years of junior. His first year in Grand Rapids, looking at his numbers now, he had 32 points in 55 games, which is okay. It's not great. It's just it's just good, right? Um, I don't, I, I haven't watched him play. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't speak to what he looks like when he's actually on the ice, but 
I don't disagree. I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, but I don't disagree with the Red Wings philosophy of over-ripening prospects as a general philosophy because I think you have players. I think it allows you to take players who are drafted a little bit later that maybe you take a little bit of a, a leap on because there's maybe some raw talent there, but maybe there's something missing from their game that doesn't elevate them to be drafted higher. And I don't think there's anything wrong with drafting those players, putting them into your organization, and and tr- trying to develop them into NHL players. It has worked so far for them. I mean, the the number of Red Wing players that have been developed and have become um, good NHL players, it's pretty high. Um, what I think Larkin represents is the exception to that rule because Larkin is just he already reached a point in his development where the AHL wouldn't hurt him, but being in the NHL is going to be that much better for him. And he's also going to have, he has the type of game that he's not going to just be a complete liability because what's the thing Holland always talks about too is he says, well, you know, the, the concern is always if you bring a kid up too early and he struggles, it destroys his confidence. You got to send him back down. That's a hit the confidence. And let's be honest, teenagers are not known for being the most emotionally stable group of people right, in the right, world. Right. So I can see, I can see why they do this. But again, Larkin, everything you read about him and hear about him is, I mean, he just, everybody talks about not only his on ice skills, but his off ice maturity and just how uh, poised and, you know, the comparisons to Taves and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think if you're worried about a young player's confidence taking a hit because he's, you know, he, because he doesn't do well at the NHL level, it, it again, it seems like Larkin is the kind of kid that you go, mm, it's not going to affect him that much. He's just going to work hard. He's just going to do what he needs to do. And he's just, he's just that good. Whereas with um, any other prospect that exists on the Red Wings right now, I would not say that about. So that's why I think Larkin is the one who has jumped ahead of everybody and is getting the shot on the NHL roster, and why I'm actually 100% okay with every other prospect being sent down at this point, at least to start the year. Right, and I, I just want to go off here, and maybe we're covering this a little bit too much, but um, there was an article from uh, Michigan Hockey Now uh, where he just said that Blash and Ken Holland called him into a room, and he just said that he couldn't help but to crap, crack crap, crack a smile. Um, and he said the feeling was incredible. Um, and, and to say verbatim, it keeps after scoring a goal against Pittsburgh at the Joe. I get a lot of texts, and today I get a lot of texts and tweets and everything. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. It's been a dream come true uh, just to be able to call my mom and tell her it was one of the best feelings in my life. Uh, they just said, play your game, and it's a, it's another step from preseason. Uh, just keep pushing the envelope and continue to impress. So when you think about it, it seems like the organization, it was more of just a, uh, hey, everybody is injured. You, you know, you're the man. Uh, it seems like this organization has a little bit of confidence in the kid. Um, keep in mind, he, they, he was only drafted, if you subtract this year, he was, he was drafted a year ago. This is different. This is completely different. And, um, and this goes into the next, the, the next segment here. This is a new regime. This is a new way of thinking for the Red Wings. I mean, think about the last time the Red Wings gave a teenager a shot at NHL glory. I mean, that has to say something, right? I mean, we, we trusted Ken Holland for this long. It has to say something. Am I right or am I wrong? 
No, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, I, I think it speaks m- maybe more to Blashill um, because you know the the news that came out. It really sounded like Blashill was the one who went to bat for for Larkin and maybe did some lobbying on his behalf to keep him up. Because you know, I'm sure Holland was thinking, hey, you know, Larkin doesn't have to go through waivers to get sent back down, and that's that's a big thing here. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big deal for him to make it. I mean, you've got like the guys over at CBS actually wrote about it and and kind of tweeted about it today about it's it's unusual for the Red Wings to put a teenager on their roster. So it is, and and you're right. So we we've talked a lot about Larkin uh, over the past I don't know couple of months. Um, let's talk about the other uh, kid forwards, the other prospect forwards. Um, Aside from Larkin, uh, who should be on this Larkin? Who <laughs> this Larkin? You see what it this does. Um, who should be on this roster aside from Larkin? Um, obviously, there's a there's yeah, there's a select few. Um, uh, personally, I think that Athanasiu could be a I don't know. He could be an ideal bottom six forward. I think that Athanasiu essentially replaces what Darren Helm is. Uh, do you guys disagree, or do you guys have any thoughts about that? I, I, I just want to open the lines to you guys on that and, and, and just let you talk about that. Well, if we're going to put Athanasiu in the bottom six, and right now we have Larkin or Zetterberg as your top center, you've got Richards as two, you've got Shea in as three, uh, Athanasiu has to bump Luke Lindenning out, and yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Right, and, 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 and the thing is that... Um, we don't think, do we think that Athanasiu could be what Luke Glendening is, that defensive forward? Is that something that we feel like, you know, Athanasiu could perform at, you know? Um, obviously, I, I'm, and when you think about it, Athanasiu is a great offensive mind. Do we think that he could make a difference where, uh, I don't know, do you I think, think he could make a difference? I think part of it does have to do with line mates. Otherwise, you yeah, yeah, for sure. Thomas Yurko situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not. You know, Luke Glendening. You you can't take the goals that he produces away from him. You just can't. Somehow he somehow some way he finds ways to put pucks in the back of the net. And you know, for all the talk about him being a possession black hole, for all the talk about how he was being mis- potentially being misused under Babcock by playing against competition that was way over his head. Yep. You know, he produces. Does is Athen, Can Athanasiu produce like Glenn Denning does? That's, you know, I think he has the skills to do that, even if he does get stuck with, like, you know, Drew Miller or Joachim Anderson or Landon Ferraro as line mates. But, you know, I'd, be, I'd just be more interested to see if he could be a guy that, dri- that also drives possession from the fourth line. Right. Well, if we uh, want yeah, Athanasiu yeah. to be essentially home with hands, like, uh, I know that pisses Michelle off to, to call him that, but I don't Yo. care. Um, home with hands, we wanted Helm to be, like, the prototypical, uh, excellent third-line center in the NHL. We wanted him to be, like, everything Jordan Stahl was supposed to be and uh, didn't turn out to be. Um I don't know if spending time on the, the fourth line, because you can always bump, Glendening played all freaking preseason on the wing, so I don't care about necessarily bumping him off the lineup. You could have Glendening, Athanasiu, and a rotation of, of Miller and Ferraro on that, that other wing, and I think you've got a decent fourth line that actually has um, 
better than average fourth line scoring chops. Uh, but you're still giving these guys anywhere from eight to twelve minutes a night, and I don't know necessarily that that's what's good for Athanasiu at this point in his development. Um, like I said he's 21, so I mean he's not exactly young. Um, but I think that right now Athanasiu is probably better served from playing 20 minutes a night on the Griffins' top line with. Tyler Bertuzzi and Anthony Mantha uh, than he is to turn out to be the potential next great third-line center for the Red Wings, who could also play 2C, which is basically what Riley Sheehan is supposed to be right now, too. Um, I think he's better served, yeah, 20 minutes in the in the AHL versus 10 in the NHL. Although, if it happened, then I'd, I'm not against that either. I would absolutely, I would play him up there. And if Lashill decides to do that, which he won't, uh, because I don't think Ken Holland's going to let him make that decision, um, sure, I'd like to see it happen. At that point, we have to question, um, do we have too many centers? Do we have expendable centers at that point? Well, we're getting ever closer to your dream of playing 12 centers. I know, it's just so great. Well, 12 centers at four, you got to have six more centers on the blue line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, right. well, and I think the thing is, sometimes I almost wonder if we, get, if we get a little too ahead of ourselves with Shane, because Shane's ceiling was never more than a third line center. Um, and then he came out in that, you know, in the in the injury year, and he just he really did some good things with Tatar Nirko. Um, why they ever split that lineup, I'll never know. But that's another topic for another day. Um, but I mean, Shane, if he if Shane develops into a second or third line center, just a guy you can put out there, he's going to be offensively and be responsible defensively. He's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to be some sort of superstar. I think you can solidify that third line, give yourself a scoring third line, which is what it takes to win these days. The idea of this, of having two scoring lines, um, a third line that is, you know, just whatever it is, and then a checking line, that those days are gone. The teams that are winning are winning with three scoring lines now. Yeah, I think I if, if if Shane can turn into that and just kind of continue on the developmental path that he's on, then you you basically you you've seen if you give him two skilled wingers, he'll produce offensively, um, and he'll be a black hole possession wise. So then, boom, there's your third line done. Now you've got your first two lines that you can kind of make even better, and you, you can turn your fourth line into that checking line. Personally speaking, I would just go all skill throughout the lineup and just basically yeah. say we're never going to let you have the puck because it's going to be on our sticks the whole time if you're going to beat us you're going to beat us because you're more talented but that's what i would do i wouldn't worry about having a, a you know a checking center or a defensive forward on the fourth line right. i would just look at having guys who were good offensively but also responsible defensively yeah that's the thing you don't want to have yeah. one-dimensional guys anywhere and you still get a pass for like one-dimensional defensive-only players because they're the the heart and soul and grit and blue-collar guys that everybody loves. But still, if the guy can't score, I, I don't have a use for him. Um, so yeah, get get all skill. Make skill guys play in the PK. I don't care. Just do it all. Yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. And the other, I mean, the other consideration of, I said earlier, like, do we have expendable centers? Uh, the answer to thinking more on that, the answer is no, because Mike Richards isn't going to be around for more than a year, I, th- I don't think. And it would really suck to get rid of a guy we think is expendable and then find out, well, shit, we don't actually have a third-line center because uh, we got rid of one. Right. So, I mean, with that, I think it's a good segue into our prospects report from our very own Michelle, uh, which she is going to fill us in on the uh, 
junior level players who are playing right now, uh, who have been sent down recently. Uh, Michelle, why don't you take it away? Thanks, guys. I'm very excited to announce that we're going to be adding a new feature to the Winging It Motown podcasts. In addition to the other prospects report that I'm going to continue doing that covers the Red Wings prospects who are in Europe or juniors or college, we're going to be adding a new feature as well that focuses on Red Wings prospects who are playing in Grand Rapids and in Toledo. This will give us the opportunity to really focus in on the prospects who are the closest to making it to the NHL. And we'll give you updates on how the Griffins are doing, how their games went, and which players are excelling and maybe which ones aren't. So even if you're not able to watch the Griffins on a regular basis, you'll still be tuned in to what's going on and kind of have your finger on the pulse of the next generation of Red Wings. The Griffins started and finished their preseason this last weekend with back-to-back games against the Lake Erie Monsters. The roster was made up largely of Toledo Walleye players since most of the Red Wings prospects were still in Detroit, and they beat the Monsters 5-1 in the first game and lost 4-2 in the second game, splitting the series. There's still a lot up in the air about their roster right now. On Sunday afternoon, the Detroit Red Wings assigned 13 players to Grand Rapids, including Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Bertuzzi, Anthony Mantha, Zach Nastasiak, Tomas Nosek, Nick Jensen, Robbie Russo, and Ryan Sproul. So for the most part, the Red Wings prospects who are going to be in Grand Rapids are there. The lone remainders on the Wings roster, at least as of this recording, are Dylan Larkin, Alexi Marchenko, and Xavier Ouellette. Many of the players currently with the Griffins will be assigned to the Toledo Walleye before their season starts, which will be this coming weekend. And they open on the road, a West Coast trip against two new teams to the American Hockey League in the Bakersfield Condors, which is the Edmonton Oilers farm team, and the San Diego Gulls, which is the Anaheim Ducks farm team. So Friday, October 9th will be the Griffins season opener, and then the following Friday and Saturday will be their home openers. Even if Dylan Larkin starts the season in Detroit, the Griffins are still going to be pretty stacked up front, with names like Athanasiu, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Nosek, Mealy, and Callahan in your top six. That's a pretty good team. Add on the back end Nick Jensen, Brian Lashoff, Nathan Pache, and probably one of either Marchenko or Roulette, and you've got a pretty solid decor as well. On the back end, we know that Tom McCollum and Jared Cora will be the starting two netminders and will be battling it out this season to see who's the real starter. My personal take is that Jared Coro, if given the opportunity, could steal a starting position away from Thomas McCollum. And then Jake Patterson will probably start the season with the Toledo Walleye and get in some heavy playing time, which will be good for his development. By the time the Wings and Griffins both open their regular seasons this Friday night, we'll have a much better idea of what their rosters are going to look like. This segment is going to be evolving throughout the season depending on what happens with the team and the players, and we'll kind of see where it goes. But please, give me feedback. Let us know what you want to hear more about, what you want to hear less about, things that you're interested in or curious about, and we will use that in determining what this segment becomes. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed. In this week's Prospects Report, we're going to be talking about what the guys have done between September 21st and October 4th. In the Finnish League, 
Julius Valatalo played two more games with the TPS Big Club before being sent down to the under 20. He was barely getting any ice time with the big team and wasn't putting up many points. He had no goals in six games and managed one assist. Since being sent to the U20 team, he has one goal and six points, and instead of averaging four or five minutes a game, he's playing 21 or 22 minutes a game. This is going to be very good for his development and obviously wasn't doing him much good to be on a fourth line and not get much playing time. In the Swedish league, goalie Jordan Van Pottelberg started one game and backed up two others. In the game that he started, he let in one goal and made 32 out of 33 saves for a save percentage of .970 and got the win by a score of 2-1. to one. So far in four games, he has a .904 save percentage and a 2.54 goals against average and is 2-2. Two and two. Axel Holmstrom played in four games and he had one assist, was a minus three, had six shots, was 64.5% on faceoffs, and he's been playing the third line center, averaging about 13-14 minutes a game. In the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts has been a star for the Victoria Royals. In four games, he has six assists, is a plus two, and zero penalty minutes. He's been incredible for that team. He's everywhere on the ice, and it's a lot of fun to watch him. On Saturday night, he set the Victoria Royals franchise record for assists from defensemen with 92, and he did it in 30 fewer games than the previous record holder, Brandon Manning. Hicketts has done that in his career, even though he missed quite a few games over the last couple seasons with injuries and he missed time away to play the World Juniors and he still has most of a season to go. His six points in four games ties him for the league lead among defensemen in points and he's fourth in the league in assists and leads all defensemen in assists. It's also something that he plays power play, penalty kill, and heavy five on five minutes and he has no penalty minutes. In the QMJHL, Evgeny Svechnikov was off to a fantastic season start. In four games, he has three goals, three assists, is a plus three, has 10 penalty minutes now, which we'll get to in a minute, and he's been 50% on faceoffs. Last week, the Detroit Red Wings signed him to his three-year entry-level contract, and unfortunately, in a game that evening, he made a very poor decision when he hit a player from behind into the bench boards. While I don't believe Chevy had any intent to injure the player that he hit, it was a very dangerous hit, and it easily could have resulted in an injury. The player that he hit went face and neck first into the boards by the benches, and thankfully, he didn't look like he was hurt. Sveshnikov did receive a penalty for the hit. He also received a penalty for the ensuing fight, got a game misconduct, and was suspended for a game. In the OHL, Vili Sarajarvi wasted no time in making his presence known after signing with the Flint Firebirds. In five games, he has six points, all assists, is a plus four, has 17 shots on goal, and four penalty minutes. He leads all OHL defensemen in assists, and he's third in defenseman points. He's technically tied for first, but since he doesn't have any goals, it bumps him down to third. He's also tied for first on his team in points and plus minus, and he has a 1.20 points per game pace right now. And that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Back to you guys. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Uh, that was always the best uh, prospect report. She always does a great job. Uh, next, we're just going to jump right into the uh, reader questions, uh, which... I will thankfully 
let JJ take over. JJ, why don't you go ahead and go over the uh, reader questions and let us bicker about them. All right, you got it. Thanks, Kyle. Yep. Uh, very first question uh, from TN Caker Death asked about Athanasiu, which we just spent a bunch of time talking about, so uh, we're going to ignore that part. But uh, he wants to know how has uh, Tamu Pukulin looked in preseason? Uh, any better than last year? Uh, well, it's it's tough to say. He uh, he got hurt, but he still produced. Um, he only saw three games. He scored three goals, had two assists. Um, Made it into the top five most scoring Red Wings. I think that in a third-line role, which is where he is obviously going to see his time, um, I feel really confident about him. I think he's going to do a good job. Um, and I think that he's going to see at least uh, 60 games. You guys, 60 games, is that good? Yeah, let's go with 60 games. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I like it. He didn't uh, score from there, but during power plays, he was placed in the Ovechkin spot on the Washington Capitals setup. Uh, and I think that although they weren't able to get him any uh, like big booming slappers from within the circles, they're trying, and that's uh, that's a big deal. So, yeah, I liked it. I want him on the roster. Yep. Yeah, it's not even a question. It's mm-hmm. Timo Polkinen. He will be playing. Um, if anything else, uh, I will light a torch and carry a pitchfork. Yep. Okay. The, uh, NMU asks out of the free agents next off season, uh, would you see the Red Wings bring back Justin Ablocator and Brad Richards or let the rest go to get young kids to come up? Um, I'm going to jump in my answer real quick is I'm going to wait until like after this season is over to answer whether I want Justin Ablocator back. Well, um, I'll go ahead and say that Drew Miller is, in my opinion, probably gone. Um, Brad Richards, unless he scores like a shit ton of points, uh, yeah, probably not. Um, Advocator, I mean, honestly, I have to see at least 50 points or more to, to really give him a contract that he deserves. Otherwise, I don't know. Let the Boston Bruins give him six million a year. You could still give him a contract he deserves if he gets less than fifty points. It just won't be a very good contract. Well, if if, if he <laughs> wants if, if he wants to take the homie discount, like you know the hometown discount, and like you know three million a year, sure, yeah, top six forward, I could take that. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Right on. Yeah, uh, and, and Quint. Uh, don't forget Quincy too. Also free agent after this ooh, year. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Go what am I, an owl? <laughs> wow, that was dumb. Run it out there. Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> Cut all that out. Powell yeah. Brown 13, uh, with all the banners hanging up in the rafters and the raw talent down there on the ass, is it wrong for me to think about the numbers and hope for instant classics like 19, 13, 5, 71, and 72 maybe? Oof. Okay, so let's go ahead and pump the brakes on 71. Um, 13, that's going to happen. That's not even a question, I think, um, in my opinion. I, let's at least give the kid one season in the NHL, which we don't even know if he'll get that this year. 
let's not forget yeah. he also mentioned seventy two, which is Athens to see you. Yeah, let's Didn't have him. <laughs> let's about let's have him play 72? an NHL That's game fine. before we uh, uh, hold on. About Did he say seventy two? Yes. Yes. So the answer to the yes or no question is it wrong for him to think about? It? Yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yes, it's wrong. Absolutely, hundred percent. Stop. Hey, who's the uh, who are the best teams in the East? The Detroit uh, Red Wings. Red Wings. The Red Tampa Wings. Bay Lightning. Lightning. Uh, uh, I want to say here. Uh, I want to say okay. Here we go. Red Wings, Lightning, uh, Capitals, Penguins. And Penguins. No Rangers, huh? Nope, fuck them. Uh, Capitals. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no, honestly, uh, it's Blue Jackets. It, it, no, they're they're garbage. In nope. order, it's nope, the, nope. it's the Lightning, all of the Metro, then the Red Wings. I think that I think all of the Metro. Yeah, from what I've read, yes, yeah, all of I the think Metro the will Blue be Jackets better. Will be a good team. Uh, I think they they will make the playoffs as a wild card team, um, but I just I don't see them being a number two team in the Metropolitan. Uh, they won't beat I'm... the Penguins. They might give a Penguin, or I'm sorry, the uh, Capitals a run for their money, but I don't know. I just I I don't see it. I think that the Penguins are way too good uh, with the way they've restructured their entire forward front um and i do not see the uh i don't see them beating out a a, a team with alex ovechkin Braden holby um uh what's his name kuznetsov yeah brooks who brooks orpik brooks orpik uh brooks orpik god that guy's so good um <laughs> I think that they will make it as a wild card team, and I think that is a vast upgrade of what they did last season with all the injuries they had. Uh, David Clarkson. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, Nozaro33 wants to know what our reaction to uh, Larkin making the roster is. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> all right. Uh, I believe that reaction is not fit for public consumption. Yeah, I can't <laughs> post that on the internet. Yeah, this is a family website we run, so... Uh, there was a discussion in here with Attack Dog who wants us to come up with like a perfect, reasonable uh, trade that makes sense for both the Red Wings and the other team. Um, no thanks. No. No. Nope. I mean, we if, trade if, seventh round picks. We, we do this every year. If there were like, that perfect, reasonable trade, uh, it would have been done already. Yep. Um, yeah. Nobody. It, nobody's making trades at this time of year because everybody's putting their guys on waivers to get to the roster limit. So trades ain't happen. happening. No. I mean, you see a guy like Andrew McDonald going out of waivers. It's not going to happen. Let's just let's chill, okay? We'll wait until the deadline when uh, Bufflin goes on the trade block and we're exactly. all... Exactly. Like every other year. Like every other freaking year. What is a uh, reasonable season for Thomas Yurko and his uh, his dealing? 80 points. plus points. An 8% shooting points. percentage. <laughs> <laughs> I like Joe's answer, yeah. Yeah. What was Joe's uh, answer? Was it 30 points? An 8% shooting percentage. I like that. Yep, that's good. We would like that. Yeah, I'm so worried about Yurko in the preseason because he has been, like, it. you cannot deny that the f- fact that 
Babcock placed him on a checking line to do nothing but check last season uh, worked magic on Yurko defensively. He has been a he's been marvelous in his own zone, and I think he's been really good penalty killing. Um, I just haven't seen him like really drive position drive possession up ice. Uh, he hasn't been really great in the offensive zone. He's good at, like, he's crashing the net right now. He's basically like a proto-abdulcator, and I think he's got better hands than that, but sure, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't show that. So I, I am I am worried about Yurko offensively this this season. Put yeah, him on the PK, I mean, and we might actually score shorthanded goals. What, do you have, like, two points in, in, in the preseason? It's just, I don't know. I don't yeah. expect a huge breakout season from him, but I expect... To be satisfied with him. Um, put three shots on goal in five <laughs> games. I want to be satisfied with Yurko. I, I, that's all I care about. I don't need 50 points from him. I just want to be satisfied. And uh, even if I'm not satisfied, he has next year too. All right. Uh, Holmstrom96, the big Axel Holmstrom fan, asks uh, who Helm pushes out of the roster when he, sh- when he shows back up. I mean, you got to think it's clearer Anderson simply because they were signed to deals that are entirely variable um, right. in terms of cap hit. Um, I, I think I think it depends on two things: one, when Helm comes back, um, and two, how far into the season it is, and whether Larkin looks like he actually does indeed belong or if maybe the NHL is just just a little bit too much for him and he hasn't played the 10 games yet I think that's a good point if because uh, yeah. he should be coming back around that time although it, it should be way before the nine game thing I think Cleary is going to get sent down when the Red Wings decide to pick to have another a seventh yeah defense. they have I don't to think it's not even six. a question uh, so yeah, at, at that point, I think Anderson is the unless 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 now. Larkin goes nine games without a point, which I don't see seeing like I don't see that happening in in a top six role. Um, I just I, I I think that it's it's Cleary or Anderson, um, and, and and that's that. So uh, Who goes after Anderson is Ferraro an excellent job lock after Anderson or is it Miller? <sighs> I think I'd rather it be. Oh God, you know what? I'd rather I, it be Miller, but I, it, that's probably not the. That's probably not real. I think it would be Miller, um, simply because I think Ferraro. I, I think Blashill's system is going to be more predicated on speed, and Ferraro is a better skater than Miller. True. All right. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the question from uh, the Birdman. If Dan Clary gets waived and sent to Grand Rapids, do we see a transporter s scenario where Mike Babcock sends hired gunmen to kidnap Clary and bring him back to Toronto? Yeah. Who plays Jason Statham's role? Yeah. I don't think hired gunmen will be necessary. Um, you I know, think it'll be claim him. basically be like a, it'll be like one of those insurance fraud deals where it's like, you know, hey, the door's locked, wink, wink. Uh, you know, just don't take any of my stuff, Dan Clary. Wink, wink. So, yeah, just, you know. Yes. Right on. Yeah. Jonas Duffy's asks uh, Clary for Hyman, and uh, I once again remind you, this is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Three hundred and sixty-five days out of the year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the the 
The Wings already had a ton of players that Larkin's going to have to make better. I don't think one more is going to make a difference. I like how, what would we have to do to trade Erickson? Jesus Christ. Um, Trade him. (laughs) uh, Call another team that wants him. Ken Holland, probably. Uh, The first reaction to that is make a pact with Satan, by the way. Yes. Probably have to offer up a first-round pick in addition to it, Erickson. (laughs) Go go back in time and not give him the contract that he has first. Yeah. This is a really good point and question by uh, Quackenbush about player rotation, because we've heard a lot this season about, well, Dylan Larkin is going to be the 14th forward who sits for 60 games or 70 games. Uh, so, you know, which would you rather have in that 14th forward? Uh, the question here is, will we see more of it for our skaters this year beyond what's forced by injuries? Uh, it seemed, with the death we have this year, the opportunity seems great to consciously rotate some people in and out by, game by game, rest some veterans, give some of the young gum experience, keep everyone fresh. Um, is that, I mean, Obviously, it sounds too good to be true, but it, that, I mean, that's the obvious choice, right? Or is there something that we're missing in the concept of maybe use all 14-year forwards? I, I'm, on, I'm 100% on board with that because I think if you look at the wings, I believe they have the most or second most back-to-backs this year. Uh, I think it's, it's at 17? least the second most. I'm pretty sure that Columbus it's has more. something like I, – and I feel the, I felt like the number was 17. I could be wrong, but um, – you know, the narrative is always the Reds are old. Their key players are still old. That is what it is. Zetterberg's old. old. Datsuk is going to be coming back from an injury. Um, I mean, Alfredson, when he got towards his career in Ottawa, and, and he didn't play back-to-backs. Solani didn't play back-to-backs. I don't think it would be that big a deal. Look at a guy like Franzen. I mean, um, I think I think Franzen would actually be a guy to rotate in and out of the lineup a lot just to make sure that, um, he doesn't suffer any ill effects from all the concussions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, pretty much agree. All right. Uh, AD Rain, or Adrian, however he wants to call it. Adrian, maybe. Uh, does the team have a shot to take the division from Tampa? Is are they? Is Tampa just going to run away with it? They're, no, they're I, I, I personally, I think it's going to, and that's just me being a homer, but I think it's going to be close. Um, I don't know. I just think it's. I think that the Red Wings have. Uh, I think they have a better goaltending situation. I don't think that Ben Bishop can go um, seventy games. And be successful. Uh, yeah, they have Victor Hedman. Yeah, they have Sam Coase. Yeah, they have the the three assholes. Whatever. Um, I just think I, I I'm not going to say that the Red Wings will go away with it, but I think that the Red Wings will make it close. And personally, I think that the hot, the Habs are going to fall off. I think that they are not going to get what they got out of Carey Price last year. Which, let's be honest, if Carey Price posted a uh, a, a season with uh, .910 save percentage, uh, yeah, nope, not a chance. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, God, I think it'd be the, so uh, funny. The triplets line is, uh, I think that they're due for a soft more slump and I think that's going to hurt Tampa points wise and Absolutely. it's going to give us an opportunity I'm not going to I'm not going to guarantee it but uh, yeah I, th- I think we've got a good chance um, I'm going to skip over one question to go down to 0976 
skipping over the trade home thing because we've talked about that a lot. Yep. Uh, why is Anderson not on waivers already? Good question. Because clearly, he hasn't been put on waivers already, right? And then uh, his yeah. next question is: He's a pylon? Question mark. Uh, sure. <sighs> you know, I think that Anderson. I don't know. Anderson's a fun case. He looked really good in the first few preseason games, and he looked pretty meh. Um, like statistically, it's hard to say that he's that much different from Glenn Denning, but the eye test says Glenn Denning is way better. Uh, he's just. He's not good offensively. He doesn't look good defensively. Although he's probably he's probably better than we give him credit for. But still, he's just meh. Yeah, like he you don't is... call him a pylon because that's like offensive to yeah. That's offensive to Anderson because Dion Phaneuf is a pylon. That guy he, that guy sucks. Uh, pylons are you know, the, the totally worthless guys. Anderson, my most worthless. yeah, he's my most my unremarkable. Most, my most favorite thing about the preseason was watch watching Dylan Larkin just dance around D'Anfano. That was amazing. It was so good. Um, anyways, I, it, it, it's just like Anderson, I feel like like Cleary and Anderson, they just kind of squeaked their way in, into the lineup because of injuries. Um, and that's my take on it. It's they just, they... We're fortunate enough for for injuries, not because of Larkin. Like Larkin isn't fortunate because of injuries. Larkin earned it. Um, I don't know if, obviously, Cleary and Anderson. I don't feel like they earned it. I think it's just because. So one of the two will be on waivers uh, two or three weeks from now. Easy. And if they aren't, then uh, fold. <laughs> Graham, he's a pylon? Question mark. Um, no question mark. <laughs> Winky face. Um, he's not good, but I mean, he's not a pylon. He's he's a he's a replaceable fourth line player. That's about it. So, so my question is: Would you rather have Tang Grady or Anderson? Anderson. I don't think it matters. Does it matter? No. It doesn't I matter. I, I think that's like asking, you know, would you rather have uh, a terminal illness or all your limbs cut off? I mean, it doesn't matter. They're both terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a way with words, <laughs> All right, the, the very last question, uh, something we haven't touched on. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rafi Torres suspension? Fuck him. I, you know, f- half a season, it still felt too short. Yeah. We were talking, and I, I, I popped, popped into the chat earlier today from on my lunch break, and <laughs> Lauren's response was perfect about how if the NHL did PA did decide to appeal, the NHL should respond by increasing the suspension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they really should. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's at this point. It's it's painfully obvious that he is just a reckless player. Um, he's got no regard for his opponent's safety or health, and he just, you know. 
I, I think this probably it. This is probably the death knell for his career. Yeah, because that's the other thing is this is the last year of his three year deal. So um, after this yeah. year, he's going to have to fight for a contract. Um, it may it's like not even that he does it intentionally, I guess, because I mean Brody Brazil went to bat for him. And he wrote this big Facebook post about how he he knows Rafi Torres and he knows the pain that Torres went through trying to get back. So why would he intentionally endanger it? And I guess he didn't intentionally endanger it. The guy just doesn't think. He's been playing this long. He's been playing exactly that way. You just can't you can't train it out of him. The guy's a dummy, and it's it's better for the league to not have him in it. Um, I think the NHL did a really smart move suspending him half the season because that is as bold as they have ever been. It is a huge suspension. They have essentially the moral high ground on it. Uh, the NHLPA almost has to appeal the suspension just on principle, even though they're kind of not. They may not even want to, but uh, they're not going to. Th- I don't think that they can that they're going to throw him under the bus there. And even if they do, then. And the suspension gets lowered, which I think it very well could be. Um, then the NHL is still the well. We tried to throw forty-one games at him, and, and mm-hmm. the the soft on headshots NHLPA uh, fought us on that. So I thought it was a brilliant move. I, I thought they probably could have gotten away with screw it, just spending for an entire season. Yeah, but, the NHL's in a win-win situation here because if the NHLPA decides not to appeal hey we took a, a dangerous player out of the out of the league for half the year win if they don't like you said um you know they come out uh, with the moral high ground of you know it, this isn't like a uh you know an nfl type of situation where they overstep their bounds everybody wants to see the those types of hits out of the game the, the targeting the head and hitting the head of of uh of a player they want they want it gone and you know that's this is a, a an example of them getting very serious about it so um after all the missteps the nhl has made over the last month or so pr wise and and allowing certain situations to um to <laughs> be ongoing um this was actually a good move by them yeah i also can't believe they haven't forced pronger to retire that's a good call great Yo, <laughs> we're talking about right. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> so or that's, that's the Mike Richards situation. Oh yeah, that's still going on. Yeah, that's another can of worms we could open up. But anyways, um, so that pretty much wraps us up. The last question I have, uh, which popped out from my uh, Twitter feed, is uh, from the Ninja Greg. How much do I squat? Go ahead, guys. Who's I? Kyle. Oh, how much is Kyle? I thought he was asking how much does, does Greg squat. Um, let's see. I've I've seen your legs. Uh, you can uh, you could easily squat. Uh, is eighty kilograms a lot? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'll say that. Can we get um, real world like numbers here, please? Fifteen stones. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, it's, you uh, could it's, squat it's the two, spire on the top of the it's, Empire uh, State It's it's two ten in American, two ten in American. So that's pounds. So American. thank you, okay. and everybody, thank you for tuning in to Winging It Motown Radio. You guys have a great night, and uh, it was a pleasure. Hey, we don't want to uh, do predictions. 
let's do, do we want to do predictions? What, we, yeah, oh, on. yeah, let's do predictions. You felt so the week ahead. Let's do predictions. Someone, do, no. do we do think no. that Tatar is going to score 40, 40 goals? Yes. Yeah, sure. Are you 50. sure? No, 50. but we've been at this forever now, so just. Okay, so let's end it at Tatar score <laughs> 40 goals. And if you don't feel that way, then you're dumb. And I'm sorry that you are dumb. My prediction for this week is that Brad Richards is going to score the overtime winner against Carolina, and everyone will have flashbacks to Stephen oh, White. Geez. Oh, jeez. Wow. You are Oh, God. God. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, amazing. No, and, the, and, 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 you, the worst Joe, you are such an It was a happy podcast. <laughs> God, I hate you. But at least it's only one year. <laughs> only one year. Yeah. You are. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> anyway, so I not come out of the weekend two and zero. Does anybody no, think about one and one? I think I think Dylan Larkin opens the scoring for the Red Wings against Toronto and skates by the Leafs bench and just stares Babcock down the whole time. That is a stretch, but I will take it. <laughs> if he flips him the bird on the way, I say we take the C directly off of Zetterberg and put it right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Just yes. put seventy-one in the rafters. Might as well. I will write a. I will write a twelve-hundred word piece about it. Or and it will make Toronto natives more angry than the the post I wrote today. Okay, so uh, thank you for tuning in, folks. And uh, you know what? Go Red Wings. Winging it. I'm winging it, Motown. Winging it. Winging it. Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. Oh, hold on. Butters is himself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm winging it, Motown. It's flea season. All right. Welcome to Winning It. Winging it. Winging it.